Every business comes to life through its service experience. Your business success depends on whether your customers are loyal to you. That's where real value and profit is created. Great companies ubiquitously have great customer experiences. A thin red line divides those that invest and consistently deliver what their customers need and those that fail and get disrupted. In competitive and challenging times, leaders need to double down on their customer experience. Learn and grow the value you create. Grow your success. Be on the right side of that thin red line. This is the CX Guru with your host, Eric McCroskey, a globally recognized ops and customer experience guru, public speaker, and author. Your business success story begins now. Hi, and welcome to the Customer Experience Guru. Today, I'm very excited to have with me Dr. Victoria Mattingly. She's a CEO and founder of Mattingly Solutions. Uh, and has a background in organizational psychology, has been uh, leading a female-owned uh, DNI consulting firm for the last year and a half, um, and very excited to have you on the show to, sh- to share a little bit about diversity and inclusion and the links and the impacts, obviously, on customer experience, because I think so often it's it's an easy lift to make a significant impact that gets so regrettably missed so often. So, uh, Victoria, first, maybe if you can share a little bit about yourself and, and how you got passionate about what you're doing today. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, so my DEI or diversity, equity and inclusion journey started about five years ago. I was working for a um, leadership development consulting firm and helping them build out their women in leadership practice. And intuitively, a lot of their content was directed at women, what women should do or how they should promote their careers. But if you look at any organizational chart, you'll see that the higher you go up, the less and less women are. are, are And so it made me wonder, where are the men in these gender equity, gender equality efforts, Uh, which really (laughs) led me on my journey for uh, exploring allyship, particularly male allyship to help promote women in leadership. Uh, I've since broadened my uh, conceptualization of allyship to encompass um, all slices of diversity. So for example, white allies for people of color, straight allies for LGBTQ community, of course, men as allies for women. And I just really see diversity, equity, inclusion as an incredible lever to not only increase uh, you know, productivity and engagement, retention at the, at the employee level, but also mm-hmm. to best serve our customers and our clients. Uh, and I, and you know, in the last year, DEI has really um, taken a whole new uh, you know, approach with really sure. beyond the check the box that we saw for the last, you know, 20, 30 years. And you know, I'm really uh, optimistic and inspired to see companies really taking DEI seriously. And that's really why our company, even though our tagline is improving the human experience at work, which we can do in a lot of ways sure. background in organizational psychology, but really focusing on uh, DEI and specifically inclusive behaviors. Okay. Very interesting. So, so you've touched on the the importance around uh, diversity and inclusion, and and the impact on service experience and, and innovation. I'd love you to double click on this because, I, in, in my opinion, this is something that's so often missed. Uh, that we know from a service experience that the the, the first critical component is, is building trust with the organization if you want to have a successful experience. But then you, you get to a point where it's about relationships, and, and you need to be able to customize 
to be able to deliver service experiences that match your guests. So tell me about in this context, really, why diversity is is so critical. Absolutely. So uh, we like to say uh, diversity is how we see each other and inclusion mm-hmm. is how we treat each other. And right. anyone doing customer experience, right, you know, needs to learn who their customers are. And diversity is such an important piece of that. Um, and companies that, that don't do it right, you know, are really overlooking. And when you're thinking about gender, half of their customer base. And then if you don't. Women are the majority of purchasers and and, and um, product decision makers in the household. I mean, that's even more than fifty percent if you look at it <laughs> that way. And that's just one slice of diversity. What would happen if you know we better understood these unique and distinct populations and could create products and services to meet those unique needs and to understand diversity at that level? And then also how, of course, we're treating our customers. But before I was an organizational psychologist, I was in the service industry for well over. Right years and uh, it blew my mind I actually that's how I got on on onto organizational psychology of looking around and being like okay I have you know crazy co-workers <laughs> bad managers and customers that are not treating me very well why don't we get any sort of training on how to treat each other better in right. this chaotic environment and so you know I think it's it's a you know a two-prong approach first understanding the diverse uh, makeup of your customer base and then also inclusive behaviors figuring out how to best treat them to build that trust as you said and also you know build a loyal returning customer base yeah i think it's a great point i was i was um, interviewing uh, i guess a little while back who who had really studied the the science of service and and one of the first comments he made is that if if you want your guests or your customers to love you you the first thing you need to do is first love them and 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 find ways to connect to deepen that relationship that rapport that connects as well i think with some of the themes you're talking about but the number of faux pas in in service where that was missed uh, so from a marketing standpoint where launches didn't match, match the audience to uh, i remember i think when we we last spoke uh, i was sharing a story in the airline industry where a flight between uh, north america and germany Uh, only had two choices of food uh, and both involved pork. The problem was Frankfurt is a global port, uh, uh, port of entry and connection spot to the world. And um, there's a lot of cultures where you can't eat pork. And so they completely missed the understanding of what a global world we're operating in. So I think these types of things really reinforce it. This is just the basics. What we're talking about is really elevating it to the next level. Of course, and not only does it, you know, do you leave them with hungry customers? <laughs> story you just mentioned, which is not good for right. uh, creating it's that horrible. <laughs> but also, it could be life or death in some situations. So, for mm-hmm. example, crash test dummies to, you know, use to, to test yeah. the safety of cars. They're built uh, for the average size of male, um, and as a result, women are forty-seven percent more likely to be injured during a traffic accident. And they're seventy-three percent more likely wow. to have fatal injuries. So it, it's life or death in a lot of these cases when we're not uh, designing products in an inclusive way. And once again, that's just one slice of the of the diversity uh, equation. So yeah, I, I absolutely. I, I think it makes a lot of sense. So, so what are some of the things that organizations can do to better? 
meet customer needs. So from a diverse representation, from an inclusive behavior standpoint, what, what are some of the actions? Because the frustration I have is we've been talking about this for decades, but like you said, the results aren't there. Yeah, I mean, one very um, basic way to better meet the diverse needs of your customer base is to have uh, employees and designers or leaders that represent that customer base, right? So uh, Facebook, for example, uh, they were finding that their Oculus, their virtual reality product really wasn't hitting the mark with their, uh, their, their female customers. And so what they did was they hired a fully female team to, to build out a more gender inclusive uh, virtual reality headset and surprise surprise not only did it um, was it more appealing to women but it was more appealing to men too it was a more comfortable headset <laughs> the head better um, it, it you know so not only does having a diverse workforce better meet those specific groups needs but we actually get better products as a result and the research supports that as well uh, research from McKinsey shows sure. that uh, diverse teams are 19% more innovative compared to their non-diverse counterparts and that leads to also greater profitability as a result so really trying to get that diverse representation inside the company to match the diverse customer base outside is is a is a you know huge huge way of doing that that effect of D&I when it comes to the customer experience. And, and how does a, a leader who buys into it but realizes around them that that's not happening, what's the first step they should do? I think part of it is really looking at how recruitment and hiring is being mm -hmm. done organization. I feel like, um, and especially, you know, I've been thinking and, and doing research and, and reading about, um, you know, selection and hiring best practices. And there's a lot of bias. And whenever right. we have just people making decisions using, you know, gut instincts, um, hiring for culture <laughs> fit, that's actually, you think you're doing the right thing. We want this person to fit well here. Uh, but what are we compromising when we hire for culture mm -hmm. fit? Well, typically someone who's, who's different. Someone's going to add that unique, diverse perspective to the team, to, to the workforce, um, and really trying to, you know, look at those systems. How can we intentionally, um, for example, making sure that you have X amount of diverse representation in a candidate pool before you move on to the next stage of that selection process, um, making sure that where are you getting your diverse candidates from and what we're experiencing now with COVID and the virtual workforce sure. that we're all living in, we've actually um, eliminated a lot of the geographic barriers that used to exist previously. I was talking to a potential client based in the uh, Midwest states mm -hmm. and, you know, they were saying, we just can't get people to move here. And I asked, well, why are you making <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> uh, it's, it's it, you know, it's really challenging these assumptions that, oh, we can't find diverse talent. And then you really ask, well, where are you trying to pull this talent from? What do your processes look like? How are you making sure that you have diverse representation in pools? Um, and really starting, starting at that point, and um, and asking the hard questions, it really does require you know pushing the envelope, challenging the status quo, um, you know, kind of putting the mirror up against yourself and your hiring practices, and asking how can we do better. Yeah, I think that that's a good point. Even I think how um, how you post, what words you you include, uh, who's interviewing. Uh, all of those things as well project an image on the organization that may show diversity. Do I want to be here or not? Exactly, exactly. And, you know, we're talking about the, the entry level and, you know, the 
bringing in people from the outside, but also looking at how your organization structured uh, when it comes mm-hmm. to diversity on the inside. And and, uh, and not only is it harder to, you know, it's it's a worthwhile effort, but it, it is challenging to hire a more diverse workforce. What's even more challenging is <laughs> how to keep them around once you do hire them. And that really is where inclusion comes in. Sure inclusive leaders it's having allies within the organization it's having you know dei um, activities and strategy and structures built in place it's having representation at leadership levels uh, people aren't going to stay if they don't see themselves in the highest levels of leadership at organizations and um and i see a lot of, of promising moves from the outside in to try to accelerate the rate of these changes. So for example, the NASDAQ is now making it a requirement to have at least one um, underrepresented uh, person in every single corporate board to, be, to, to remain on the NASDAQ. And, and then you have to why just one, but that's another conversation. That's a whole different conversation. I try to champion the progress as I see it. And it's a, it's a great start and, and it's accountability, right? It, it's having that accountability that uh, this is no longer acceptable and we need to have uh, executive boards and additional whole workforces that are more representative of that local um, geographic location or industry. Uh, you've talked about allies, and can you double-click a bit more on it? Because I think that's a very interesting concept I'd love for you to expand a bit on. Absolutely. So uh, we define allies as one who uses their power or status to advocate or support someone who's different than them in some meaningful way. And that difference part is so key to what it means to be an ally. Because ally behaviors, ally actions are really, you know, mentoring and sponsoring and and speaking up, sharing platforms, you know, really being the person that kind of create that bridge and, and help someone or an, help a group in some sort of advocacy way. But to be a true ally, that person or that group that you are helping needs to be different than you and, right. and really um, enforce that difference piece because um, I've done a lot of research on the efficacy of unconscious bias. And that's really one mm-hmm. of the key strategies that's used in the DEI space. And even though it's great for building awareness, we all need to be aware that as humans, we have biases. Those biases influence our decisions in, in less than ideal ways. And we need to be aware of those. Unconscious bias training doesn't actually mitigate our biases. <laughs> mitigates our biases or reduces the amount of bias that we have towards towards certain individuals, certain groups is actually by interacting with those who belong to those groups. Right. So with allyship, it's really a way to get people to cross difference, uh, to work together to create a more equitable and fair world workplace together. I feel like there's just so much divisiveness Mm -hmm. in our world right now. And we're seeing it, you know, at the, um, you know, here in the States at the national level, we're seeing it online. Uh, We're seeing it in our communities and we're absolutely experiencing it in the workplace as well. And so with more allyship, my goal is to start, uh, you know, reducing this divisiveness and bringing us together across differences uh, because we're becoming a more and more diverse world by the day. Skills to get out of our in-groups and and merge together to, you know, create a better world in, in collaboration with one another. And, and I think this is a phenomenal goal, but also is such a critical one for success that the metrics have shown it over and over that 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 it's so required yet missing in so many organizations. So t- tell me about some of the other benefits we've we've touched on a lot on the customer experience side. Uh, and I think it's a must uh, if you want to connect with your audience, if you want people to 
to enjoy your experiences, you need to be able to connect with them, understand them, tweak, adapt your, your service offerings to match your guests. Tell me about some of the other core benefits that have been demonstrated from a scientific standpoint. Yeah, absolutely. So there's this great book that was released last year called Inclusify by Dr. Stephanie Johnson. She's a professor in uh, Boulder, Colorado. Mm -hmm. And uh, she, it, it just covers lots of the great stats about the, the ROI of DEI. And so um, companies that are, have, have greater gender diversity, and that's usually about 30% is that critical mass. Um, they are 25% more profitable compared to their competitors. Companies with more ethnic diversity are 36% more profitable. Mm -hmm. uh, I mentioned 19% more innovation for better teams. Sure. Uh, there's, interestingly, there's a better exchange of information among diverse teams. And that's because we're getting out of this uh, the this group think when we, we mm -hmm. have that are we are interacting with and work with we assume oh they think like i think so i don't have to really explain what <laughs> i'm trying to get at here and we don't make those same assumptions when we're working with people who are different than us which then leads to uh all the benefits of having better information exchange uh better understanding better communication and diversity leads to better decision making as well um and i think this also gets at you know the inclusion piece you know inclusion as I mentioned before, it's how we treat each other, it's our behaviors. Inclusion are the behaviors we use to make others feel valued, respected, seen, and heard. And the, res the impact of that on uh, our employee retention, reducing turnover, making people feel like that they are valued, that they have a place in their organization, they perform better, they're more engaged. There's just so many benefits of DEI. And I feel like I'm blue in the face by sharing about <laughs> it. Those who are working in the DEI space know, but there's still needs to be this huge education effort for how much of benefit that DEI brings to organization. It makes better leaders. Um, inclusive leadership is becoming more and more of an emphasis when it comes to leadership development, um, really being able to meet the unique needs of all of the individuals that you lead, all of your subordinates. And the thing that's tricky about DEI and inclusion mm -hmm. specifically, you know, going back to that definition, what makes someone feel valued, respected, seen, and heard is going to vary based on that individual. So it right. really does come down to creating those relationships, really getting to learn and understand the individuals that you work with so you can use the terminologies that make them feel included, um, do the things that make them feel like they belong. Um, but that's going to vary based on the individual. And I feel like sometimes uh, my clients get frustrated because they want the playbook of how to be more <laughs> inclusive. Tell us exactly what to do. And Give me the checklist. Give me the checklist. <laughs> and, it, and I have to tell them, well, you know, there's you know, creating a culture of psychological safety, listening, learning, but at the end of the day, it really is really understanding and taking the time to learn what's going to make someone feel like they're valued, respected, seen, and heard that you're working with directly. That's uh, phenomenal content. It, it actually makes me made me think about a, a documentary I'd watched. I think it's about 15, 20 years ago. Um, and it really shows the power of having incredibly diverse perspectives in a room together to design a new service experience, a product experience. So the documentary was was done on, on IDEO. And it, it wasn't about diversity, but they were showing how their team solutioning things, none of them looked at things the same way. One was a doctor, another one was, uh, I think, an engineer, a different one was a psychologist, another one with a background in sociology. Nobody had what you would think would be a traditional background in product design or innovation, but they just 
brought lots of people with different perspectives to just query it, try to understand, and then solution. And you see it live, how people solution. And, and I've never seen regular teams, traditional teams solution as quickly and as innovatively as they did. You know, and, and I love that example. And I, I think back to my academic training and everything was just so focused on interdisciplinary. We're going to be better mm -hmm. interdisciplinary across disciplines. You know, let's get the anthrop anthropologists with the psychologists, sure. the sociologists with the mathematicians, and that's going to lead to better research and, and better understanding. And that exact principle is what DEI is all about. Right. Um, as you said, better products, better customer experience, better leadership, and better organizational cultures. Great. Well, well, thank you very much for coming on the show, for sharing some perspectives. Uh, it, it's such an important topic, uh, not just from a customer experience standpoint, but just in terms of how business operate, how we get more inclusive, how we bridge a lot of barriers that currently exist across the world. Uh, how can someone get in touch with you to learn more? Absolutely. So you can visit us at our website, uh, mattinglysolutions.com. Uh, you can also connect with me on LinkedIn. I love making new connections, talking about all things inclusive behaviors and allyship. Uh, we also have uh, a YouTube channel as well under Mattingly Solutions. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Like what we do? Share this on your socials and tell everyone. Thank you for listening to the CX Guru on C-Suite Radio. Increase the value you create. Grow your brand. Drive your success. Distinguish yourself from the pack. Come back in two weeks for the next episode. Or listen to our sister show, The Ops Guru, with Eric McCroskey. Fuel your future. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.